Welcome to Living in a Material World, and I'm your host, David Prada. Today's guest is CEO and co-founder of Silver Mirror Facial Bar, Matt Maroon. Welcome to our show. Hi, David. How you doing? I'm awesome. I'm so glad we haven't spoken in a bit, so I'm excited to hear all what's happening in your world. But before we get there, I always love to start off on how you ended up in this industry and how you ended up starting Silver Mirror, and just tell us your journey. <laughs> It's a long, it's a long one. Uh, it's definitely taken some spins here and there. Ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to be in the music business. I went to USC for undergrad, and while I was at USC, I worked three days a week in the music business and went to school two days a week. That was what I wanted to do since I was I was little. And when I graduated, I joined a division of Universal Records, rose up the ranks there, and was the vice president of marketing and kind of reached what I wanted to do in my life, but always had that inkling that I was going to be an entrepreneur at some point. My paternal grandfather is an entrepreneur. My dad's an entrepreneur. And I also, my entire life, the few bosses I've had will absolutely attest that I am not great with authority. My parents will agree to that. My wife will agree to that. I'm just not good with it at all. It was destined to happen in one way or the other. And I think like many people in the entertainment business grow jaded or cynical, the right words, but you get exhausted by it, you know? And if you're not working in the exact genre that you have the passion for or artists that you love, just it's just not always going to be projects that you love. And, and I know that you have the luxury at this step in your career of working with clients that you love, right? And products you love and brands you love. But, you know, in the early parts of your career, you don't always have that luxury, right? No, you don't. I have some brands I won't even bring up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do that. I don't want anyone. I, I don't want anyone to know I was involved. Yes, and I have pl- <laughs> and I have plenty of artist stories to share over some drinks. But I think that experience. By the time I was twenty seven, I knew that there was something else that I wanted to do. Go down that entrepreneurial path, and I took the very unorthodox for the music industry route of going to Wharton Business School, and that was a very interesting place in the sense that out of a class of, I think it was 850 kids, I think only like one or two were from the music business and only a handful from the entertainment business. So it was not, you know, it was heavily finance focused, consulting focused, banking, definitely things that are not my forte, people that I did not spend the prior, you know, decade hanging out with. Not that there's anything wrong with, you know, finance. It was just a different world and felt very fish out of water at times. And Felt very dumb at times. While USC is a very is a great school, everybody else was from the Harvards and the Dartmouths, and it just there's definitely an inferiority complex. But it, it's healthy for you, and it's good to go through those things. You never want to be the smartest person in the room, so, and that's something I never had to worry about. So, so after Wharton, what did you take on after that? Well, so at Wharton, I had a kind of serendipitous type trip my first year. They have some things called treks there, and I went on a trek to India, and it was 20 kids led by three Indian folks, and you know that went to Wharton at the same time. And out of those 20 kids, one ended up becoming a groomsman at my wedding, and then another one became my future uh, Silver Mirror co-founder. My future co-founder, Cindy Kim, we met our first day on a beach in Goa, India, and then... We bonded over uh, stomach bugs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you get very close that way. And uh, so 
Cindy and I became very good friends. And uh, during the second year, she left after our third semester. So first semester of second year to found Peach and Lily. And so she and a girl from Harvard started that together, dropped out of Wharton, and I continued on like a sucker, you know, and uh, I graduated. And after that, I decided to, after a couple of different career points, I did my MBA internship at Google, was not thrilled there, and decided to work on some tech products. And I worked on uh, building apps for other people in a music business again, and I developed a product that was helping people decide what to wear, and it was just all not clicking and giving me that connection with other people. And I started to look at different ideas and different brick-and-mortar businesses where I could interact with people on a daily basis. And I wanted it to be service-based. I didn't want to get into food. And as I dug deeper and deeper and explored different concepts, I saw what there was missing in different elements of the skincare business. And I wanted to help people on a health and wellness basis and really improve some kind of aspect of their well-being without having to go to medical school. (laughs) So without me having to go to medical school. So I started a concept very early stage that was going to be a tattoo removal rollout. And I saw that the trends that were in the, the world, obviously, I live in Brooklyn. I lived in New York for 16 years now. I'm from South Florida and the number of tattoos per capita, I'm in Williamsburg now is, you know, I'm the minority not having a tattoo at this point. My three-year-old son gets temporary tattoos all the time. So anyway, so (laughs) I saw those where those trends were going and then looked at statistics where one third of Americans have a tattoo and a half of that third want them removed. So I'm talking a lot and I'll speed it up. So this is where Cindy comes into board. So I said, Cindy, we were having drinks one night and some tacos and some margaritas. And I said, look, this is the concept I'm working on. I think we could and should take this in a, in a different direction. The numbers don't add up for this business. And let's look at some different things together. And she was in the middle of Peach and Lily. They were blowing up, doing amazing things. And I'm not going to speak for Sunday. She's still one of my best friends. I don't think she would be remiss for me to say she was not happy in her current situation of Peach and Lily, different parts of her life. And I said, look, join me. You know me extremely well. We're very good friends. I know you have a successful business. Just leave that successful business and join me with this fragment of an idea. And you can go live in a warm weather climate. That's cool. We could start this in Miami. We could start this in LA. Let's be happy and let's do something cool together. And for whatever reason, she did it. And I'm still grateful to her. And we started what was the beginning formulation of Silver Mirror from that point. Cindy was having a successful run at Peach and Lily. And I convinced her to join my fragment of an idea and promised it would be a venture that we could have outside interests and pursue outside things at the same time. And at the same time, find a connection with people. And I think, and not to speak for Cindy too much as well, but what I was running into with tech projects and what she was running into with Peach and Lily is you're in an office most of the time, right? Even with Peach and Lily, it's products and great. People are interacting with your products on a daily basis, but you're not seeing that, right? You're not interacting with the people that you're selling services to or the products. And while it's amazing to work with your coworkers, even though today who is actually working with her coworkers in the same room, people want to connect with other humans. That was our desire and why we wanted to go into this venture in something in this skincare realm of brick and mortar. It obviously did not end up a tattoo removal business. We shifted the focus pretty quickly 
to other aspects of the skincare business. And we took a trip to Korea and Cindy is Korean American and my wife went with us and we spent two weeks in Seoul and the outskirts of Seoul really exploring what was going on in the Korean skincare world. And this was 2016, 2015, 2016. So Peach and Lily and, and Cindy were a huge part in bringing that Korean and, and Japanese beauty care you know, focus into the States. And obviously now it's blown up and not to say that they were the ones that did it, but they were a part of it. Absolutely. And you know, in 2015 and 16, going over there, there were still many different products and different approaches that we could see that weren't being brought to the States. So that trip really had us scrap completely the idea of, we had scrapped tattoos at one point, and then we had scrapped the idea of lasers altogether as well, because we saw that we could do really incredible skincare services if we focused on one thing, and in this case, the face. So if we really, really, really targeted, and then at the same time, we were really efficient with people's time. So those were the things that we wanted to really harp on and build Silver Mirror from. We wanted to create this great experience where we're focusing first on New Yorkers, where New Yorkers are extremely busy. We never have enough time to do anything, and we all have insane hours. So we wanted to build a model that fit into your hours, fit into your schedule. And at that time in 2015, 2016, the behemoths of the spa facial world were the red doors and the blisses. And what they were offering was a $250 service that would take an hour and a half of your time. You'd take off your clothes. You remember these days, right? Oh God. I was, yeah, I remember. And as a New Yorker, I got out of work at like, I finished working at eight. So it's like my weekends were running errands and I needed to do something for myself, but I couldn't give up two hours of my life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And at the same time though, there was what's been growing the last 20 to 30 years, the sense of results driven skincare. People are smarter than ever with products. They're smarter than ever with services. They, while a, while a facial can be relaxing, people really want quality skincare results, right? And I mean, you know this from your industry, right? It's And people are smarter than ever and they don't buy into the BS of packaging and whatever. They want really good products and services. So we thought we could, we could work with what these desires were in the field. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we were seeing Sephora, which obviously is killing it in everything they do, right? But you'd walk into a Sephora and you're interacting one time with a Sephora sales rep. And sometimes they might know a ton about makeup or they might know a ton about skincare products, right? Or body products. But very rarely are you finding an excellent rep that is not incentivized to sell you as many products as possible and knows skincare really well. And again, Sephora is amazing at what they do, right? But it's a people thing. So you're not building any kind of long-term connection. That one connection is all about that one-off transaction. And you're never going to see this person again. They don't really care how that product does to your skin. And then on the other end, dermatologists. They obviously had have an amazing part in our society. They do great things, especially when we're talking, you know, from the aesthetic side, from the skin cancer side, whatever. But it's a totally different system from building that long-term connection, right? A, obviously we have health insurance, co-pays, prescription drugs. I just remember when Cindy and I were building this, my wife went to a dermatologist and she came home with five prescriptions. And my wife has great skin. It was just insane and it was so expensive and it goes back to the incentive. And so all of these different 
pieces of what was going on in the marketplace and what people were looking for in 2016 were went into this cauldron of what Silver Mirror started out as and then became. And when we stoked our, opened our first location in the Upper East Side in 2016, we wanted to focus on a very simplistic menu. So, you know, we've since messed with pricing and different menus, different items, but we knew we wanted to do a 30-minute facial, a 50-minute facial, and we wanted to keep it a reasonable price basis, and we wanted to keep it limited. And we've kept that rule where if we want to add a service to the menu, you have to remove another service, even if it's making money. That's the rule. So that means that your new service that somebody on our team wants to come up with, it better be amazing. Incredible. So when you guys chose your first location, why was it the Upper East Side? It's a good question. So we were going to start in Miami originally. That was part of my promise to Cindy, sorry, Cindy, that she could move to Miami, which... <laughs> warm weather. Yeah, yeah, warm weather. Uh, it's my hometown. I knew it very well. And we spent a long time down there exploring different properties across Miami. And we came to the conclusion that while New York is much more expensive to build things out, it's the nexus of the world. Sorry, I think you're in LA, right? Aren't you in LA? Yeah, but you know, I still know, I still feel it and know it that <laughs> New York City is the nexus of the world. For me, if I didn't meet someone and have my company here, I would have been back in New York a long time yeah, ago. And, and it's one of the reasons I'm still here 16 years later is like, if I leave here, I know that I'm leaving the middle of it all. And I know everybody's trying to make Miami the next New York. And while I love Miami to death and we are expanding there and it is, uh, it will always be the place in my home, you know, in my heart and my true home. If you want to build a brand and especially a beauty brand, got to do it in New York, right? And all the press is here, which, you know, we can get to in a minute of what was big in, in that aspect. But the Upper East Side, how we chose this location, we have a couple of rules when it comes to real estate. And one of them is that we don't want real estate to be the reason we fail. So we knew that we couldn't, Cindy and I were bootstrapping the entire thing. We didn't take out outside money. We used our both of our savings. So we had to choose a relatively small space, but we wanted it to be on a main thoroughfare where we knew people were working and playing and living. And where we chose in the Upper East Side, which is Lexington and 65th, Bloomingdale's is right there. So there, and there's restaurants. So people are, it's just before you get to that residential aspect of the Upper East Side. And then it's on Lexington. So you're getting tons of foot traffic. And then there's absolutely a ton of offices just south of there. And then you have all the residential north. So it was the kind of rare area where like, okay, if we're going to go all in on this concept and we're going to risk our, our life savings, you got to go as safe of a bet as possible. And while the Upper East Side might not be the coolest neighborhood, it has all of those different aspects. And I've seen plenty of cool brands come and go. Cool does not always bring people in the door. People need convenience and they need different aspects of what they're doing. So so it's definitely a, a unique neighborhood and we've, we're expanding pretty rapidly to other neighborhoods in other cities, but still the original one for us. And it's it's small. And it was designed by Heitler Houston Architects, who designed every dry bar from day one. So we approached Josh Heitler. We cold emailed him. He was a Penn graduate. And we said, hey, we have this crazy idea. We know you've done all the dry bars. Would you take a meeting? For some reason, he took a meeting and created what would be the actual physical build out and look and feel and really the direction of what we've done since then. And they're still our architects. They build out every single one of ours. They built out, I think, the first like 
200 dry bars and they're still a great company and what they do 2015 it was you want to be this is what you do right from not only a service perspective at that time they've since changed private equity hands a few times and i can't really speak to i'm not as familiar with what they're doing but at that time that was the, the place I've actually seen and gone into your Flatiron location. Was that the second location that opened up? That was. So, you know, when you're building a new business, as, as you know, great. We were very thankful with that, that first one in May 2016 that it opened. We didn't have a lot of cash runway, so we didn't have a lot of time. But Vogue did a, a really laudatory piece on our opening the day we opened, which happened to be my 32nd birthday at the time. And it was the best damn birthday present you could ever do. It was just like the, I mean, look, man, they're the best and I'll always be indebted to them. It was just such a beautiful piece and very complimentary of what we were doing. And from there, a lot of press pieces picked up. And while I don't want to talk too much about competitors, the landscape in 2022 is very different on the facial landscape. And there are different concepts popping up. But at that time, it was very unique to what, you know, especially in New York City, there was things in LA that I think there was a couple of different concepts in LA, obviously in Korea, different places of the world, but taking a facial and making it 30 minutes or 50 minutes and making it really, really damn good was pretty unique. Can we talk about like the differences between the all those new concepts that came out after you guys? What's the point of difference? Because I know for me... David, you're trying to bait me here. I love it. I know that you've created a new like skincare lifestyle. And so I always love for anyone listening, like what is the point of difference at Silver Merit compared to everybody else that's coming out there that have since opened since your first launch? Sure. So without disparaging anybody, I think it's a different segment of the market. So we are a slightly higher price point than other quote fast facials that are popping up. I don't know exactly what other folks are paying, but I know that we pay exceptionally well above industry standards and we create an incredible work environment. Again, this is not to say that anybody else is doing something bad, but I can tell you what we're doing, right? And we have extremely low turnover with estheticians, and I am a strong believer that we have the best damn estheticians in New York and D.C. We have put an amazing effort into recruiting, and that at the end of the day, so the people aspect is enormous because you know at Silver Mirror, you're going to get very low turnover. You're going to get an incredible esthetician, and I mean, our numbers and our growth shows that. And then at the same time, our build-outs are beautiful as you've been inside. I have a little bit of information about other build-outs. I know for a fact that our build-outs are almost double what other fast facial places are. For those of you who haven't been to a silver mirror, it's an open layout, but we have stations that are separated by very gorgeous, expensive curtains. Each station splits a woodworking station that has its own sink. We're using every new gadget that's out there, steam, we're constantly doing continuing education every two to three weeks. So we're constantly innovating and keeping what's going and what's fresh. And that keeps better estheticians and that keeps your guests engaged. So look, without putting anybody else down, I think that we're offering a better service. It's a higher price point usually. And I think that's going to get you a bigger demo. So it's great that other fast facials that are cheaper and <laughs> lower quality, I don't know the nicer way to put that, lower quality are, are coming. It's, it's actually a really great thing because I'm a strong believer, David, if you are walking on the streets and you ask 100 people, when was the last time you got a facial? I'd say maybe 10% of them got a facial in their lifetimes or in the last five years. 
and then maybe another 5% got one in the last year, right? It's just not a thing that most people do on a monthly basis. And as you know, it's extremely beneficial to the health of your skin. It's an approach that you have to take, do your, your facials monthly and the right products and create the right regimen, and it shows real results. And going back to the, the beginning part of our conversation, it's what Cindy and I were always looking for, that connection to people and giving them real results and giving them quality benefits. And I mean, it shows like our retention numbers and our membership numbers are incredible. And we're sold out almost every day in every city, which is a problem at times. It can be very frustrating if you're a guest, hence why we're trying to grow. But yeah, it's something that we are trying to, I think our core demo meets more around all the generations that have been float, whatever. But like, let's say whatever used to be called millennials. So let's say, or Gen Y. So late 20s to early 40s would be our core demo. And I'd say the other fast facial places are going more towards like a young 20s. So, you know, it's almost like when you're going to get your hair cut and when you're younger, you can only, <laughs> I shouldn't say it. I'm not disparaging anyway, but super cuts, right? So like you want to go and get a super cuts to start out because that gets you in there. And then you're like, okay, I need to get a better haircut as I get older. And I want to spend a little bit more money, get a better stylist and a better barber and the first time you paid for that, you know, $60 haircut, you're freaking out. And then I wish I could pay a $60 haircut now. I have my barber coming to my house now, which I'm so happy about. Same, same, <laughs> same. Yeah, shout out to Shortcuts. That's the app I use to, I'm not a paid endorser, but I started using them in the pandemic and met an amazing stylist on there. She comes to my house and cuts my hair in my backyard. All my Williamsburg neighbors are wondering what's going on. The dude with the pigeon coop is flying his pigeons around, uh, waving his flags, and I'm down getting a haircut in a tiny lawn in Williamsburg. But yeah, it's New York life. Oh, I love that. I actually really love your concept. It's more elevated than what's out there. When you're saying fast facial, I think your space actually gives you a very luxurious experience that you definitely get. You get more than what you're paying for. You know, and overall, I think the space is refreshing. It feels professional. It feels like you want to go in there. So I think you guys are doing a great job. I'm really excited to hopefully hear you're opening a location in Los Angeles for people like me that are stuck here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All my L.A. friends say the same thing. Oh, look at the pressure. I mean, look, we, you know, we, which we can segue into our growth, but, like, we opened in Flatiron. That was our second location because we wanted to test out to see you know, if this was a real, if this was a one-off thing, because there's so many concepts that are great in single, single locations, right? And, and we can name plenty of them in LA and New York, whether it's food or service or whatever it is, but it's very hard to replicate things. And then different neighborhoods, you know, like, again, the Upper East Side is the perfect testing point for something like what we were doing. And Flatiron, which I had lived in for, I lived in like the Flatiron Chelsea area for 12 years. And that was, you know, I knew the area well, and I knew that all the companies were coming in there and there's residential. So that worked there. And when we were looking for our next market, we were looking at something that was within a relatively close driving distance. If there's an emergency or a train distance or a flight distance, we're sorry, but LA doesn't check that box, you know, at least for the, the second market. So for us, it was Boston and DC. We also felt with both of those markets that we could grow. There were some things that didn't work for us in Boston that we just decided not to go down that path. And we both really loved DC as a market. We love the city itself. It's like a very underrated city. It's a beautiful, amazing food scene. And while yes, there's a heavy, you know, political and lawyer type culture, 
people are really cool and grounded there and they're very nice it's very diverse from all different kinds of backgrounds you know from different countries different races different genders different identities it's it's just a really cool place and it fit us for where if Cindy and I which I ended up spending the entire summer of 2019 if I'm going to spend an enormous amount of time there I want to be somewhere I'm happy you know and somewhere that I love and so we opened up our first location in DuPont Circle in July 2019 it was definitely difficult to open up something that's not your home city my wife was on bed rest in Miami oddly enough she got stuck there at my parents house and it was a very difficult time and fellow entrepreneurs know this you know there's just different things that happen in your personal life my everything ended up great with my wife and my kids and whatever but you know when that's going on and at the same time I'm risking my entire well-being on this venture in a city I don't know that I had maybe five or six friends from high school but wasn't very familiar with things it was a really difficult and scary time but that location to our wonder just hit it right out of the gate from the, the first day like like you were saying with our you know the luxury look and kind of knowing Washingtonians they like nice stuff and they spend money Yes. Bostonians don't. Yes. So I'm just saying, good choice. Just good choice. I can I can tell you about my sales demographic around the United States, and I definitely know Boston or DC, I would choose DC. I'm from New England. So I, I grew up in Connecticut, but like I spent a lot of time during college in Boston. I love Boston, but like I sell so much product in DC. Interesting. Okay. I sell very little product in Boston. Interesting. It's an amazing place. And we're opening up next week. We're opening up our second location there in the Navy Yard. In May or summerish, we'll be opening up our third in Penn Quarter, which is like in between it. So equidistant between the two. So we want to check all the boxes. And then we've already committed. We're going to be going into Arlington right next to Amazon's headquarters over there. It's called National Landing, but it's really, you know, Arlington, Crystal City. So in terms of that market, we absolutely love it. We love the people of Washington. My COO, Rachel there, God bless her, has been there for three months dealing with all of our delays. She's amazing and is the rock that keeps everything at Silver Mirror together. Wow. Matt, I have a few more questions before we wrap up. You've actually inspired me. I'm such an entrepreneur too. I come from three generations of entrepreneurs. And so I feel like there's nothing else I would want to do in, in my my life and I also don't do well with authority. <laughs> so we have a lot in common and I definitely, you know, for me I want to hear besides opening up these new locations, is there anything else that we should be like looking out for coming from Silver Mirror? Sure. So new look more locations in New York and then Miami we're expanding to in two months. So my parents are very excited for that. So New York, DC, Miami. And there's a there's a few more on there on there. Okay. Hopefully, uh, so we're doubling from three to six in the next couple of months, and then we're going from six to roughly twelve or thirteen and twenty three, depending on how timelines work out in those three cities. And then we're expanding to other cities, and we are working on a custom line. We've been working on it now for like eighteen months, almost two years. We've gone through different iterations, but. Going back to our original discussion, you know, I want it to be something damn good that people are going to be impressed with. And just as the facial world is now getting crowded and more crowded, and the spa world has always been crowded, the skincare world has never been more crowded, right? Never been more crowded. Yeah, it's very noisy. Totally. And 
you got to put a quality product out there. It's got to stand out. It's got to be excellent. And we won't accept anything less than, than amazing. And so we've gone back to the drawing board a couple times where we got to finish products. And then we said, you know what? This is not good enough that people are going to say, wow. Not only wow, but buy it again and buy it again and recommend it to their friends. And that's really, really hard to do. And we're very thankful and fortunate that we've been able to do that on the facial bar. We have amazing you know, referrals where people, you know, we don't, we don't even incentivize people with referrals, but everybody's bringing in their favorite person. And that's an amazing thing. And we want to make sure that the skincare line does the same thing. And we're very close. We're done with three of the four SKUs that we're going to kick it off with, but we want to make sure that it's just killing it. And we have an amazing team on board. We're really, it feels really good. I love that this all started with the idea of helping people remove their tattoos. <laughs> Mind you, you you hit the spot because I actually had my eighth laser on a terrible tattoo I got on my ankle in 1995 in college. <laughs> so. and, it's, and it's really difficult to get it removed, right? Oh, and, the worst. And, and from a business perspective, that's not a good thing. You don't want unpredictability, right? And also, I don't know if yours has reds or yellows, but reds and yellows aren't can't get removed, is it? Guess what? I have reds and yellows. Are they Are they coming out at all? Well, they just burned my ankle. Like I take breaks. Like it's probably been a three-year process because I can't deal with it. And so, oh like, my god, I went away to Greece, and everyone's like, "Is that a mole in your leg? <gasps> like a birthmark?" And I was like, "Oh fuck, I gotta really get rid of this shit." Wait, Dave, does it say anything, or is it somebody's face or anything, or it's just like no? Yeah, it was pretty much comedy and tragedy. So I thought that was cool in like mid nineties. Thank God it wasn't like a like a barbed wire arm thing around my arm, but like or chi- or Chinese symbols. That's a very late. 90s, yeah. I almost got dancing bears because I was into Grateful Dead at the time, but like that would have been really bad too. And so I did have yellow, sun, and red around the black masks. And so they just had to torch the red because it it looks like I have these red dots on my ankle. Oh no. Like this weird dude. silhouette of like the black around it. So it's like it looks like a, a birthmark. <laughs> oh my gosh. Do you think will they do you think they'll be able to get rid of all of it? Um, we'll see. I'm hoping. Are you using are are you using the PicoShare machine? Is that the one? Yeah, that's what they're using. That, and, and that's and what I we actually, were originally gonna focus on. And they only yeah. do the numbing cream because I can handle it. I'm just like, just go for it. I'll hold on for dear life. And it was like my mom was right when she said don't get a tattoo. Is it worse than other beauty treatments you've gotten? Uh, it's probably the worst. It's like more painful than getting the tattoo itself. And I, it's the most painful thing to get removed, especially the red. They got most of the yellow out. It's the red that they're having a hard time with. But before this episode ends, I always ask all of our guests, materi means matter. What truly matters to Matt and in your life? People. I mean, and it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. I really care about the people that work with us. I really care about, first and foremost, I care about my family. I have a wife and two kids. Those are my most important aspects. I'm very close to everybody in my family, my parents, my sister, my cousins, my friends. Uh, I, I try to do my best to keep in touch with everybody. It's very difficult. And then obviously, I really care about our team. I really want this to be a great place for people to come to work. I want it to be, we're rolling out more and more benefits. We're creating more and more growth opportunities, continuing education. It's very important to me that this is someplace where people can grow, not only educationally, but also professionally. And we've seen people take some amazing career leaps and continue to grow with us. We always try to build within. And then, of course, our guests. I mean, look, if people aren't happy, we don't want you to pay for your facial. So, you know, if anybody ever has a problem, we always want them to reach out to us. Like, we really want to make people happy. 
and you're going to make people happy by giving them a great service, giving them an amazing experience, and actually showing results. And if you don't do those three things, people don't care what price point you are or you know whatever it is. Like people want real results, and they want it to be treated well, and they want it to be in a beautiful environment. And you know we want to create that 30 and 50 minute oasis away from your busy lifestyle. And step in. We'll take good care of you. Don't have to take off your clothes. You get perfect privacy, beautiful space, and we're gonna make your skin as good as it can get. Well, that was great. I really enjoyed talking to you. That was so much fun. Like just getting to know you even better on another level. Like now, I'm like even more stoked about what you guys are gonna be launching next. Your products, your new locations, and thanks, man. I love that you're taking over the whole East Coast. <laughs> there's more east coast to come there's more east coast. and i mean I, look i'm very intrigued by the west coast it's just we're going through some last minute construction stuff in dc and our architect god bless her from heidler houston is driving from new jersey to pick up a sink in brooklyn and then driving five hours from brooklyn to dc to drop off the sink so we can pass an additional health inspection tomorrow but like you can't do that in la how am i going to get a sink from you know it's just too difficult at this point but absolutely as we grow and as we we always want to do things the right way and we're trying to take as little outside investment as possible and invest in ourselves and continue to use cash flows for new locations for our product line for new employees and it's difficult as you know it's so difficult right now well, you know, only a strong entrepreneur can take on this task, and I'm glad it's you. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're too kind. We always ask all our guests, where can they find you? Where can they find you on social media? And give us a shout-out for your website, too, so people can find out more about what you guys are up to. Absolutely. So silvermirror.com is our website, and then we focus mostly on Instagram. So that's Silver Mirror Facial Bar. Yes, the longest company name in history. But, uh, you know, Starbucks dropped coffee at some point. So so we do try to push Silver Mirror once people know what we do. But we also like to keep Facial Bar in there. So it's uh, Instagram.com, Silver Mirror Facial Bar. Everybody knows Instagram.com. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for having me on. I've listened to a bunch of the podcast episodes, love them. And it's so cool hearing the journey of different people in this industry. And, and it's one of those industries where there's just no one clear path. And it's so cool to hear people, you know, start their passions, you know, out of their bedroom. And what you're doing is amazing. Keep it open. Thank you. Oh, thanks, Matt. It was wonderful talking to Matt Maroon today. What a great story. I love Silver Mirror and I love what he's created. And I hope all of you can also have an opportunity to have a facial at one of his facial bars. Until next time, thanks for listening.